All right, and as Mike said, my name is Ross O'Hare, and you are Locked On Wildcats. This is a special edition with a guest host, me, and I am very excited to be here. So we're going to have an episode today where we're going to preview the Arizona men's basketball season. Starts in a few days, and as a fan, I'm very excited about this year. And so we're going to go over uh, just kind of some predictions for the year. We're going to go over the roster. We're going to go over the schedule and uh, talk a little bit about Coach Lloyd himself. And also, again, like I said, make some bold predictions at the end. So stick around for the whole thing and you'll hear those at the end. But let's dive right in. And um, the place I actually want to start is with Coach Lloyd. Um, Obviously, Coach Tommy Lloyd comes to Arizona from Gonzaga, where he was an assistant to Mark Few for 20 years. And, you know, he's got a lot of experience, but not a whole lot of head coaching experience, as you can tell, because he's been an assistant. And I think the biggest thing that question mark that a lot of people have coming into the season is, can he make that transition? And, you know, obviously he's been on the job only for a few months, but I don't know that it's, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about his um, standing right now, where he's at, the team he's got, the way he's got them, pl- got them playing. And so, you know, my biggest thing with him is can his system of fast-paced transition basketball really transition to the players? Can they catch on quickly enough so that this team starts to gain some momentum and play? You know, obviously, it's a difference from Coach Miller's style, which was much more slow, the pace, um, you know, use the shot clock, not as much transition, pack line defense, slowing the game down. Whereas with Coach Lloyd, you saw even in the Eastern New Mexico um, scrimmage that um, they had over 80 possessions in the game. And that's a lot of possessions. And they haven't had that in a couple years where even a single game, and I think it was a double overtime game against Washington State, where they had close to that amount of offensive possessions. And so with this style, you just get a different you know, game. You get a different style, up and down pace, where you're just seeing a lot of shots taken by a lot of different players. And to me, that's where this really stands out to me, because we've got a roster that really positions itself well to play this style, right? We have uh, depth. We have guys who can get out. There's lots of guys who can handle the ball. And I think just because of that, Coach Lloyd fits this team perfectly. And that's kind of rare. Obviously, you hire a new coach. Usually, they come to a program where you know, things are not in great shape. You, you know, you usually have players transferring out, which we did lose, you know, Kenjo. But a majority of the team, and I would say a core of the team, really stuck here, and that makes it a big difference for Coach Lloyd. I think his one of his big, biggest recruiting wins thus far is keeping the team intact as much as he did. And so, you know, with our roster, I think that we have quite a few potential lineups that can be deadly throughout the season. And that gives Coach Lloyd a lot of different looks, uh, depending on the team he's playing and different matchups. And I think the first lineup that the one he ran out last, you know, uh, against Eastern New Mexico was Kerr uh, Crease at the point guard, which I think that's going to be pretty consistent throughout the year. He's the main point guard on the team. you got Matherin, you got Terry, uh, Dalen Terry, Ben Matherin, Tubelis at the four, and Coloco at the five. And I think, you know, that lineup is pretty versatile. You've got a lot going on. You've got size. You've got quickness. You've got scoring abilities. You've got defensive abilities. And that, to me, is going to be the main lineup he's going with at the beginning of the year, mainly because Pella Larson's been hurt, right, with his foot. He had surgery a few weeks ago. He's coming back and should be ready for the NAU game at the beginning of the year. But uh, he's working his way back in, and so that's the lineup you should be seeing. Now, that lineup to me is focused more on 
defense and um, able to get out in transition, but very much so um, a traditional lineup, if you might say, because you have a traditional five in there with Coloco. But I think one of the other lineups you may be seeing throughout the year, and it may not ever be a starting lineup, but I think that with Larson, uh, Kerr at the point guard, Matherin, Larson, Dalen Terry at the four, or Kim Aiken at the four, and then Tubelis at the five, I think that lineup is going to be deadly. Similar to the Golden State Warriors when they had the death lineup where uh, they played small, you know, had Andre Iguodala playing the four. And I just think it's one of those games or one of those uh, lineups where in any given game, you're going to be able to play small, play quick, wear teams down quickly. And if you need to, again, if the other team has size and is playing good defensively, you can always put in Coloco or, again, the transfer Umar Balo, um, which obviously is immediate size for the team. And so I think that, you know, Coach Lloyd coming into this situation has just so much at his disposal that with this roster and the way it's set up, I think that we have the ability to go eight, nine, or even ten players deep, depending on the uh, the matchups in the game, and that's incredible versatility. Plus, we have players who can play multiple positions. I mean, Matherin can play two through four. Uh, Larson can play two through four. Uh, Terry can play two through four. And so I think you just have, and you know, don't forget Justin Kyer, the transfer from Georgia. He can also play multiple positions. He's going to be Kerr's backup point guard, but he's also going to play shooting guard and small small forward because he is six five. And so you're going to have this ability in any given day if someone gets in foul trouble or if someone's having an off night, where you're able to mix and match uh, with these lineups. And I think that's going to be Coach Lloyd's biggest. Um, task at the beginning of the year is to find the lineup that works, right? Find the matchups and the lineups day, day by day, game by game that really exploit the, the game and the matchups that we need. Um, if he can do that, I think we're going to have a lot of early success, which brings me to the schedule because we have 11 out of conference games at the beginning of the year with four marquee matchups, which would be uh, Wichita State and potentially Michigan. Um, in the Las Vegas tournament. And then we also have Illinois, uh, who's ranked 11th at the beginning of the year, and Tennessee, uh, right before Christmas, who's ranked 18th. And those four games are going to give us a lot of information about this team. We are really going to know if this team um, is going to make a deep run in the tournament or whether it's going to be there at the end of the year, even in the tournament, based on those four games. I think that if the team can split those games and go two and two and then end the out-of-conference schedule with a nine and two record, I think there's going to be a lot of buzz about this team, especially if you're beating a couple ranked teams, you know, an Arizona team that currently is ranked outside the top 25, uh, seen a couple places where they're ranked 29 or 34. And uh, you start beating some teams and end out of conference with a nine and two record. You're uh, not flying under the radar anymore. And I think that's the opportunity that, the Cats have with an out-of-conference schedule and a team that really has a lot of potential. All right, and so we're back. We're talking about the conference schedule right now, or the out-of-conference schedule, and we're actually going to move to the conference schedule where we've got a 20-game Pac-12 conference this year where we play two early conference games in December. And that hasn't happened in a long time, and I don't think it's really ever happened this early in December. And so you play Washington and Oregon State, which should be two winnable games. But then the the rest of the Pac-12 conference picks up around New Year's through the end of the year. And the reality is, you know, the Pac is top-heavy a little bit. You've got UCLA, who's ranked number two to begin the year, and Oregon, who's always a good team. And those two are picked to go one and two in the conference. But I see Arizona as uh, either the third or fourth best team in the conference with the possibility of finishing maybe 
first or second. It just depends. I think with the style of play we've got, again, under Coach Lloyd, I think it's going to pose teams a lot of problems. The, the pace that we play with, the depth that we have, the versatility we have, it's going to pose a lot of matchup problems for players and teams. And if, again, if Coach Lloyd can find that magic sauce that comes with finding the right lineups at the right time, you're going to see us, I believe, beat a lot of good teams. And um, now, if you know, if I was putting money on it, I would I would bet that you know UCLA and Oregon would finish one and two. But I wouldn't count Arizona out today. Now, obviously, they have only played you know Eastern New Mexico and a secret uh, scrimmage against St. Mary's and the Red Blue game. So there's not a whole lot to go off of. But I'm I'm basing it off of the talent that we have on the team, the potential, and the style of play. And if all three of those things can come together then we really have a great opportunity to, to not only compete in the Pac-12, but potentially win the Pac-12. Um, and then, so, you know, part of this second session here, or part of the second half of this podcast, what we're going to do is kind of make some bold predictions. And so going forward, I want to kind of have four categories of predictions that we're going to go over. I'm going to go over, and the first one is a high score on the team. There's a couple options you have with that. You've got uh, Tubelis, you've got Matherin, and uh, there's a little bit of a drop-off after, though, too. But, you know, Larson could be averaging a decent amount. Kerr could be averaging a decent amount. But to me, it falls on the shoulders of Ben Matherin. If uh, he's our leading scorer, that means he has taken the next step, right? Last year, he was a little inconsistent. Last year, he wasn't. There were some games, you know, he'd score 30 points against Oregon State or more. And then other games, he would score eight points and just be a non-factor. And I think this year, if he's truly going to be a lottery pick and make that next step, he's got to be more consistent. And I think he will. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities in the system to take a lot of shots. He's going to have the ball in his hand a lot. And if that's the case, then you know he's going to have the opportunity to lead this team in scoring, and I think he does. Between his three-point shooting and his ability to, to take people off the dribble, which I think will be improved, and his good free throw shooting percentage, I think he's going to have uh, the opportunity to, to lead this team in scoring and also do it by a you know three or four or five point margin as well. Um, the second uh, category I want to make a bold prediction in is best defender. Now, uh, there's two players that come to mind in this, and the two that come to mind are Christian Coloco and a surprise one might be Kirk Creesa. Now, Coloco obviously has the length. He's seven foot or seven one, has a seven six wingspan. But Kirk Carissa, to me, may not be the best defender on the team, but I think he's the most important defender on the team. As a point guard who's going to be playing 30 to potentially 35 minutes a game, he's going to be guarding the team's point guard at all times, and potentially even the team's best player, because a lot of times that's the case. And if he can match up and play good defense, then what that's going to do is slow the other teams down, make it difficult for other teams to run their offense. And you're going to see us get out in transition a lot and get a lot of rebounds, get a lot of steals, um, pass deflections, and because of his initial on-the-ball defense. And I think he's got that you know, nose-to-the-ball, bulldog type of mentality where he's going to be that type of player. And I've heard this a lot, but he's going to be that type of player where other teams are going to hate him. Right? He's going to be that player on Arizona that other teams just don't like because he's that type of style of player where he's, you know, he's loud, confident, uh, makes, a, makes a big you know, show about either drawing a charge or making a shot. And you love those players when they're on your team, but you hate them when they're on the other team. And so he's going to be kind of drawing the, the ire of the other opponents. And I think if he can get in their heads and have that dogged mentality, similar to how T.J. McConnell used to do to teams, I think that that's going to be the most important thing for us defensively if he can set the tone. 
Obviously, Christian Coloco is going to be the rim protector. He's going to be the one that is going to alter shots, you know, cover, blah, uh, you know, clog up the paint and make the opposing teams have a difficulty scoring. But to me, again, Crease is the most important defender. And the third category to me is the team MVP. So this category really kind of falls down to who's the who's the player that we have to rely on the most to ensure that we win games, but also have a good season. And to me, that's Azulis Tabellis. I mean, Tabellis to me is um, just kind of like a do-it-everything big man who can score in multiple ways um, and really is a great passer, has good vision, and hopefully will improve his defense this year. And if he can, I think that he will end up being the team MVP. Because on any given night, he can score, and he can score in a myriad of ways. It's jump shots at the basket, offensive rebounds at the free throw line. And if you're seeing that, then that means Arizona's having success. Because at what point in time are you, you know, if Matherin's the leading scorer, you're focused on him. If Kerr's hitting shots, you're focused on him. You've got Dale and Terry cutting to the basket. You've got Pella Larson hitting shots. You've got Kim Aiken making shots and getting rebounds, offensive rebounds. And hopefully, you know, Tabellis, although he's not flying under the radar, I believe he's going to be an all-conference player with Ben Matherin. And the two of them are going to be a force that other teams are really going to have to deal with. And if Tubelis can stay up with the pace, do what he needs to do, then you're going to find that he's going to be that person that puts us over the top to being not only a potential tournament team, but making a run in the tournament. Which leads me to the last one, which is the last prediction I'm going to make is where we end up at the end of the year. Right, March Madness is everybody's favorite time of the year. As a basketball fan, as an Arizona fan, you love that time of year. And, you know, to me, if Coach Lloyd can put things together and has the ability to pull the right strings at the right time with the lineup and the players that he's got, and we can stay healthy, that's important too, then I think that we are uh, at least a second weekend basketball team, which means that, you know, we're winning the first and second round, making it to the Sweet 16 with the potential of making it to lead eight. Now that, again, that's why this is a bold prediction, but I think that this team, if they can get rolling at the right time, and if Coach Tommy Lloyd lives up to his reputation as a, um, you know, a player developer, then we're going to be hitting our stride at the right time at the end of the year when all of our players are beginning to develop, gel together under a new coach with a new system, hitting, the, hitting our stride at the right time where we are able to play fast, play quick, hit shots, get out in transition, and win a couple games in the tournament. And honestly, if you make it to the second weekend, you're playing with house money at this point in time. And, you know, who knows what happens then and what your matchup is like. And I just I just think the bold prediction for this team, as we get started, and as an optimistic fan here, I think this team is at least a Sweet 16 team. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your guest host, Ross O'Hare. We'll see you next time on Locked on Wildcats.